Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Welcome to a bonus episode that I promised you in the last stabby that was on Lori Vallow and that whole case. Today, we are going to be going over the court documents, allegedly, from Melanie's husband, Ian, that discusses this whole zombie thing. This is going to dive more into details about the cult and all of that crazy craziness. So we thought it'd be an interesting little extra nugget for you guys for me to read through this and me and Jessica to kind of talk about. (laughs) So here we are. Yeah. If you did not listen to the newest stabby on the Lori Vallow case, you're probably confused as shit. So pause and go listen to that first. Oh, hi, by the way, Tara, Jessica, we're here. I'm just too excited. What up? (laughs) What up, Holmes? What's up? I'm here for the tea. Right? So during Brandon and Melanie Boudreaux's custody battle, this document came up about the whole zombie thing and possibly needing to kill or get rid of Brandon and Tylee and JJ. So it's this whole thing. I explained it much more eloquently in the episode, so go listen to the other stabby. Or if you listened, you know what's up. So here we are. I'm going to read through this court document, which will be on our sources page if you would like to read through it yourself as well. Uh, Shout out to eastidahonews.com because this is where this was found. They're on it. Right? They're like a new faith. It just starts on a random page. And it says multiple probations. And this is about the cult. I think so. Yeah. Minimum of nine mortal lives to be exalted, but more to become gods. After two mortal lives, you can choose to sign a light contract or a dark contract. Choosing light or dark isn't permanent. You can choose to not be reborn if you are satisfied in your progress. Veils grow thinner each time you are reborn. Multiple ceilings possible, but males can choose one true spouse or have many, a.k.a. polygamy. Oh, is one them's. Mm-hmm. Translation. Translated beings cannot die, cannot reproduce, do not need sleep or food, and do not feel the sorrow of the world. Injury is possible, but healing is accelerated and is never fatal. Oh. Right? Are they a vampire? Okay. That's cool. But it's a cult, Jessica, so it's not cool. I mean, is Stefan from the Vampire Diaries in this cult? Because <laughs> I think Paul Wesley is very handsome. Jesus. Sorry. I am obviously making a joke, people. No, it's okay. So done in multiple phases slash tests, usually lasting three days. Upon completing the last phase, the Lord appears to be translated. What? He comes? That's awesome. Apparently. I'm going to put my snarky thing away. I'm just going to sit over here and crochet. No, no, no. It's fine. This is what we're here for. This is what they're here for. <laughs> oh, well then <laughs> snarky it away. I'm going to still go crochet though. And if they're not, then this episode's probably not for you. Physical. Can be any physical ailment from sexual desire to disease to severe fatigue. 
hold on. Can be a physical ailment from sexual desire to disease or to fatigue. Wait, sexual desire is an ailment? I don't know. I don't know why it's a physical thing. Like physical desire is suddenly an ailment, but okay. Right. People out there being sick all the time. Apparently. Emotional. Any emotional mental ailment. Uh, Spiritual. A great test of faith. A time of darkness and doubt. And then one that just says sexual question mark. (laughs) Question mark? Sexual? (laughs) Like on Ron Burgundy was reading it. Sexual? Right. Possible new phase discovered as husband and wife become more united sexually, possibly increasing power slash vibration. Okay, this cult seems weird. Yeah. There are 50 dark translated humans. Detectives Hope and Hermosilo have been identified as such. Oh, that's right. There are detectives on this case who are part of the cult. I heard on something. I don't know where, but I did hear that. Oh, snap. Work directly under Satan, Lucifer, and Cain. Like Cain and Abel? That sucks. Yeah. Stats. Vibration. Indicates one spiritual strength. Above certain level, a thousand. Garments are no longer necessary. You get to be naggy. Are we being too disrespectful? Hell no. (laughs) You all have heard about my view of cults. They are dangerous and they are crazy. We'll talk about more cults later. Tara and I have some more planned. But this one is just like, it's new to me. So my first reaction is to make fun of it. If you're on our live that we had, you can realize that I poke fun at everything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) including my husband. Yeah. And if you're new, this is not how the show goes. This is a very random thing happening right now. So uh, a random bonus episode. Yeah. We're very we're much more structured and I don't poke fun at people that much. <laughs> but when Tara says that I can poke fun at people, I'm like, ah <laughs> my missed calling as a stand-up comedian pops out. No. Okay. So higher vibrations can be held to thin the veil a little. Uh libido, one to one hundred, indication of sex drive. So they level it, rate it. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. Is it better to have a lower libido in like lower number or a higher number? I don't know. You're looking at the same stuff I am. I need this information. Yeah. I mean, we're reading the same stuff right now. This is like mind blowing. Right. Trust level. Indication of how much someone can be trusted. Makes sense because that's, you know, literally the definition. Light dark percentage. Indication of how much light and darkness dwells in one's body. Now the reason we're here. Zombies. And this quote was basically in the other episode, too. Human bodies that have had their original spirits forced out from them and have been possessed by either a demon, original third of the heavenly host who followed Lucifer. Scary. Disembodied spirit, once living human spirits who have chosen not to be reborn into another probation, or a worm slash slug creature controlled by Lucifer that enters the body to control the host. Okay, that makes more sense because I was like, worm and slug? What? It's like Nagimi. Spirits can be pushed from their bodies during traumatic events or deadly injuries. Ooh. Spirits pushed out are trapped in limbo as the body they're tied to is still living but cannot be occupied by them anymore. Spirits trapped in limbo cannot progress to a new mortal life and cannot re-enter their existing body. The only way to move forward is to await the death of their current possessed body. This is an illegal action against heavenly law performed by the possessor. Teleportation. When translated beings are needed, they may, with the Lord's permission, teleport to the necessary location to perform their assigned duties. 
Dark and light portals, physical objects all around us have ties to the spiritual world and can be open portals or gateways of both light and darkness through which light and dark entities may pass. Church of the Firstborn and the 144,000. That was a weird number. This is the Mormon number. Oh, that's why I don't know. I was like, I don't know what's happening. The Church of the Firstborn is a higher organization and God's church in its truest form on Earth. So I'm guessing that's what the cult's called? I don't know. Church of the Firstborn. Oh, no, I'm a firstborn. I'm a middle child. (laughs) (laughs) Big ass grin on her face. God damn it, Jessica. Well, Jesus was the firstborn child of Mary. Well, okay. I mean, I'm assuming that's where it's coming from. I mean, I guess, yeah. Because otherwise, it's a very slim, sorry, you can't join. You're a middle child. No, fucking A. Oh, God. The mysteries of God are revealed to those who have become part of it. Terrestrial blessings and locations begin to be revealed to members. Doctrines add to but do not replace those of the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, see, they're Mormon. Yeah, see, it's like Waco where they were a branch off of the Seventh-day Adventists. Yeah, which typically are not as, like, aggressive. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not comparing them like that. I was just comparing it as it's a branch off. Prophet of the Mormon Church presides over the general congregation while others are called specifically to run the Church of the Firstborn, multiple branches throughout the world. The 144,000 are called to bring to pass all signs to the second coming of Christ. Multiple groups specializing in different powers and activities. Chad and Lori's group specializes in healing and music. Patriarchal Order of the Holy Melchizedek Priesthood. A higher priesthood bestowed to Chad by Peter, James, and John. Like the apostles? I guess. Oh, okay. He rolling bougie. I guess so. Priesthood keys and authorities bestowed onto women. Women may perform all the same blessings and ordinances as men. Equal opportunists. Right. Dark church and priesthood. Satan is God's exact opposite. Per every religion, I feel. Okay, we got it. (laughs) Lucifer has a body, was once an apostle, and fell. So, like, Judas? I guess? Cain was the first dark being to be translated in this creation and walks the earth with 50 dark translated beings to prevent slash delay the Lord's second coming. Spiritual gifts and powers. People can manipulate the elements to do the Lord's will and bring past signs of his second coming. Awesome. So it's very yin and yang. Yes. If you can imagine it, it's real. Whatever that means. Every fantastic idea is a reality somewhere. (gasps) Magic, which includes wizards, sorcerers, witches, etc. Spells and curses in Harry Potter are real and require great focused will to be used. I want to be a Harry Potter (laughs) wizard. (laughs) If I join this cult, can I be a Harry Potter? Can I go to Hogwarts? No, you cannot join this cult, Jessica. Hear me out. No. If like. No. Hold on. No, you're not joining a cult. No. Everybody, hold on. (laughs) If you could join a cult and become a wizard like Harry Potter and live in Harry Potter's world, there is a lot of people my age who are like, yes, please. I don't want to die, so no. Can we start a Harry Potter cult? Okay, let's do it. Because if that's the case, I'm in. We'll start our own cult. Listeners, let us know you want to <laughs> be part of our Harry Potter cult. Oh, God. Supernatural creatures, dragons, giants, fairies, centaurs, etc. apparently exist as well. Does that mean unicorns? Sure. Spiritual weapons, dark and light, weapons that cannot be perceived by 
celestial beings that injure and scar the spirit. Oh, okay. Cords. Ties to people and things, both light and dark, that influence us. Spiritual healing. Healing malachite solution balm. Malachite is said to have healing properties administered by calling on it in a blessing. So basically, it's like a salve you rub on you and then pray? Okay. So like Vicks? <laughs> is that why like uh, like essential oils don't work for everyone is they don't know that there's an incantation? No offense to anyone who uses essential oils. I actually do use essential oils. <laughs> so that is the first part of our court document. I guess kind of giving us a breakdown on this, the cult and its rules. So, wow. So there's that for you. Because when we originally got into this case, I tried to be fair and be like, I won't call it a cult, but it's a cult. So here we are. Holy theory. Did you read like the rest of the letter? I was going to. And I did. Yeah. Oh, God, because this shit's juicy. Okay, peoples, gets your teas out. Yes. It's about to spill. Grab your snack, grab your tea, grab whatever. Or if you're doing, you know, house stuff, because a lot of people said they clean when they listen to us, keep cleaning your dishes, because I got a full fucking thing to read you. Or sit down and take a break. Yeah, because we got um we got a few more pages to read through. It's about to get juicy. Yes. So I'm going to explain this real quick because we didn't really know what the fuck the deal was the other part. I just wanted to read it because it's interesting. So this next statement that we're going to go through is allegedly a conversation between Melanie's husband, Ian, and his lawyer. And this all of this stuff is supposedly found on Ian's laptop. So this is Ian talking about Melanie, the zombies, Brandon's attempted murder, all of this shit. So here we go. I'm in for it. When Melanie began sharing all these things with me, I tried to keep an open mind. I'd only met her four days previous, but felt very comfortable around her. Four days. She knew him for four days before she let her crazy slip out. And got married. They got married in that time. Bitch, what? I'm pretty sure they got, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but they got married hell fast. I mean, that's how they do it. I don't know. Anyway, I believe there is more to the gospel than what I have seen so far but I never thought it would sound like this. The ideas seemed harmless at first, and she sounded pretty certain of some of them. She talked about how she learned some of these things from the temple and the others from Chad and Lori. Upon meeting Chad and Lori, I didn't get a bad impression of them, but they did seem different. I didn't think anything of that, as I feel like that's a fairly normal feeling to experience. I didn't give them much thought, as they said they were planning on taking off and that I'd be taking the reins concerning care of Melanie. They said they'd be going to Hawaii and invited me to come visit sometime. Later, Melanie explained porting, which is transporting that we talked about earlier, and that they could travel there by that method. She's saying they transported. They took no private plane or commercial plane. They just ported there. They're scary. What the fuck? The first time hearing all these new beliefs was a jolt. I was looking for someone spiritual, but this was a leap beyond that into concerning territory. I had fears and doubts, but I trusted Melanie and wanted to give it a fair chance, so I continued to listen and ask questions in hopes it would click for me. It never did. There were fun and exciting ideas, but it felt like many of them were ripped straight out of Dungeons and Dragons. Legit, dude, you're right. <laughs> oh, I have a question. Oh, what? I have a sincere question. You know how Lori, like in the last episode, we talked about her, like she's like, I can't make a $5 million bail. Girl, if you can transport, why the fuck are you still in jail? Ooh, that's a legit question. You're right. I wants to know. Mm-hmm. Get on it, East Idaho News. I need that answer. Tell us. Between the stats, accounts of dark and light weapons, 
the words spoken in blessings, it sounded like someone was creating a tabletop RPG based on the Bible. While living something like that appealed to me, I couldn't find anything to confirm it as I prayed and asked. I figured anyone called to something like this would struggle, but how else would they be made aware of things like this? I continued to try to keep an open mind and proceed with caution. Melanie began to share that she feared for the lives of two of her children based on a dream she had where they came to her. They brought her tidings of great joy. Her daughter thanked her for allowing her the freedom to use her agency until the end. This concerned me and made my heart ache for her. I felt there was no way anything could have happened without people finding out. We married faster than any sane couple would, but we both felt it was right. On our wedding night, she began to elaborate on the ideas she shared earlier about her children coming to her. Okay, so maybe they got married after four days? I don't know. I hope. She explains zombies and her fears about what Chad and Lori stated concerning the original spirits being caught in limbo until the body's death. She stated that Brandon had been possessed by a demon or another dark entity sometime after June of this year. She was told either through Revelation or by Chador that something would happen to him, that something needed to happen to him, in order for his spirit to progress and for the Lord's plan to continue. She didn't take well to the idea of her husband dying as a part of the Lord's plan, but didn't think action would be taken by anyone. She still loves Brandon and would never wish any ill will on him. It just sounds to her like it would be something that happened on its own when it was his time. This is where things start becoming concerning to me. She shared the idea that Chad and Lori could have directed Al to take the shot at Brandon. It wasn't anything she wasn't sure about. The concern began when she was called into the Gilbert PD and asked about Chad, Lori, and Alex after an attempt on Brandon's life. She later was given the impression that the bullet needed to move five inches so as not to hit Brandon. Initially, to me, it sounded like this was told to her by Chad. The discussion moved to Chad and Lori's missing children. At the time, only JJ was counted as missing, and the Rexburg PD had conducted raids on Melanie's apartment along with Al's. Melanie had been told by Chad and Lori that their children had been possessed and become zombies. She shared concerns that she'd been told Brandon needed to die, and that may indicate that Tylee and JJ needed to die as well. She told me she was worried that Al may have to take care of the kids. She explained that Al had great faith and never wavered in his trust in the Lord. No task would be too difficult or too great for him. When I asked for clarification, she restated her concern verbatim. At that point, I became severely worried but told myself there's no way I married into a situation so sinister. I spent the next two days trying to justify my accounts and reassure myself that everything was fine, but I couldn't get to that point. My ex-wife, Natalie, had been asking for Melanie's name so she could check her out on social media and get an idea of who she was. Melanie had been an adamant that I not share her full name with anyone for the fear that Brandon may locate and harass her. I couldn't justify that and eventually gave Natalie Melanie's full name. On Tuesday, December 2nd, I got a call from my mother. She had gotten off the phone with Natalie. When we divorced, Natalie made a point to cut herself off from my entire family and hadn't spoken to any of them for at least eight months. She had made as little contact with me as possible, but hadn't been unkind since the initial conflict of divorce. My mother told me she had just received a video call from Natalie. Natalie was terrified. She managed to reach Brandon through his business and heard his side of things. She had been told Melanie was in a cult and that she tried to have him killed. While I didn't and still don't believe she had anything to do with his attempted murder, I'm still terrified at the possibility. The next morning on the way to work, Natalie called me and we were discussing on how to handle this in order to keep our kids safe. She told me she'd be going in to meet the police. I told her I'd go along and lay out everything I understand. I saw two possibilities. The first was that Melanie isn't who I thought she was, and I keep myself and my family out of a dangerous situation. The second was that Melanie had been taken advantage of and I was going to get her out of a messy situation and healed. When meeting with the police, I intended to share things as I understood. 
Detective Hope and Hermosillo were present along with an FBI agent named Ricky. I've since shared all of my concerns with Melanie and have gotten clarifications on some of them. What I shared with the police was the ideas that Chad, Lori, and Alex may have planned the shooting at Brandon and that Tylee and JJ may be in serious danger if Melanie's fears had any validity. If shooting at Brandon was indeed based on the idea that he was no longer actually Brandon and needed to die as a part of the Lord's plan, then the kids' lives could be forfeit based on the idea that they're not really Tylee and JJ anymore. I shared that Melanie had concerns about them participating in the shooting and was against anyone trying to hurt him. She couldn't see them doing these things, but she also knew that they would follow with the Lord's will as they saw it. I shared ideas about earthquakes being prepared in SLC and that it was believed that there would be a time when the quakes would hit and many possessions would occur due to the high number of injured there would be. Such a thing would be such a threat to God's plan and would need to be dealt with directly. Al and Zulema had stayed in Las Vegas and were, quote, preparing earthquakes at the time I spoke with the police. I shared concerns for the safety of my kids and Natalie. I offered to help in any way I can. I allowed them to pull all data off my phone. I met with them again the following afternoon and restated what I knew for a few other detectives, Lieutenant Bale and another FBI agent named Travis. They shared some mild concerns about me potentially spying for Chad and Lori. I explained that I was there because I was concerned primarily for the safety of my kids and I wanted to get Melanie out of this if possible. They gave me a recording device that looks like a thumb drive on a keychain. My plan was to record anything I thought could help locate Tylee and JJ, locate Chad and Lori, and understand what was happening when Brandon was shot at. If I thought Chad and Lori were going to be calling, I'd turn on the recorder and just let it run until they hung up. I don't feel anything substantial was recorded as Chad and Lori never talked about the kids or their location. Most of the conversations consisted of everyone commiserating around the current circumstances, discussing religious ideas, and just catching up. In addition to the recordings, I would talk with Ricky and he let me know about the things that may come up in conversation. He was never specific, but would give me enough information for me to know when it came up. These tips turned into Tammy's body being exhumed and Al's passing. On 1219, Detective Hermosillo contacted me and told me that they had another warrant for Al's apartment next door. He asked if I'd be able to give them the code to the garage so they wouldn't have to break the door in. I shared the code. I didn't see any reason not to. They went in with a forensics team and looked for any evidence of JJ having been there. Melanie saw them there and spent the afternoon at my apartment. That night, I went to the apartment and looked around to see what they had been doing or if they were taking anything. I also wanted to see the warrants to understand what they had been looking for. After looking around, I went to see Melanie at my apartment. I finally broke down and told her that I had spoken with the police and that I don't believe any of this. I didn't know how she would react, but I couldn't hang on to the stress anymore. Of course, she was hurt, feeling betrayed, but she reassured me that she loved me and that she understands why I did it. At the time, I didn't share that I had been recording anything. I wasn't sure if we'd hear from Chad and Lori again. Over the following week, we had discussions on our situations, and I came to understand things a little better. She was legitimately afraid of the ideas I'd shared with the police and the FBI, but they weren't anything that she had any proof of. As I'd spoken with her and dug into more details, I've come to believe that she truly does not know anything about who shot at Brandon or where the kids have gone. She only has what-if scenarios that she shared. I'm worried that I jumped the gun and have sent authorities on yet another wild goose chase along with prompting them to light up the national media with pieces of what I shared. My intent was to protect my family and help solve the case of the kids' disappearance, not smear anyone in the public eye. I certainly do not want to give Brandon any ammo to hurt Melanie any more than he already has. I still have my doubts. Primarily, why not turn to the police first instead of disappearing if you claim your life is in danger? Why leave your innocent niece here to clean up your mess and encourage her not to cooperate with the authorities? Why encourage her to not fight for her kids? Her ex-husband now has temporary sole custody as a result. Why not simply provide proof that the kids are okay and put an end to this insanity? 
Isn't it odd that two detectives assigned to your case happen to be two of the Kane's Dark 50? Everyone's trying to do their job and save these kids are either evil or deceived. Your kids are missing and it doesn't come up once during the handful of lengthy conversations. There are so many more that I have. I don't ever want to have anything to do with those two after this. Melanie has been put through the ringer because of their paranoia and is now in the hot seat because I went to the police and tried to help. I know she has done nothing wrong and I want her free from this. I will no longer openly cooperate with the police or the FBI. I will go through a lawyer. My final straw was when I received a call on Friday from Ricky where he threatened charges of lying to a federal officer and or being an accessory in the disappearance of Tylee and JJ because Melanie couldn't clearly answer questions about the religious aspects of the investigation. After I shared my doubts with her, her world shattered. She couldn't answer those questions because she doesn't know what she believes about those things anymore. There's so much more information dumped on her by Chad and Lori that she can't remember what she learned from them from the podcast she listened to or on her own. A 20-year veteran FBI agent throwing a hissy fit after one shaky interview tells me all I need to know about how they want to handle this. She didn't trust authorities before because of how poorly the AF treated her when she went to pick up her kids with the court order in hand. And that is the lengthy statement, allegedly, (laughs) from Ian. Thoughts? Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It's definitely interesting in the fact that he makes some good points throughout this whole letter part of it. Like, he does a really good job at the beginning of this outlining what he's been told, how this cult or religious aspect works, mm-hmm. which I think is great because it's very bullet pointed. It's very concise. It's not like a bunch of, yeah, like, they believe that fairies exist and that, you know, you can capture one and have them as your pet. Like, it's nothing like that. It's very like, this is it. And then his letter is very like, I felt his letter. Like, he's basically saying, I'm in this situation. Maybe I got married too fast. He says, like, maybe I just didn't know Melody or Melanie. And it's like, it's both. You didn't know her. Like, you say, like, we got married faster than any, like, sane person. <laughs> so, like, you don't know. And it does seem like, from his perspective, she's really confused on what is happening. Yeah. There ever was a clusterfuck. This is a clusterfuck for sure. Oh, yeah. There's so many lives that have been touched by this. Mm-hmm. It's like hard to keep track of who died, who didn't. Like part of the time I'm like, is Brandon dead? No, Brandon lived. Brandon's still alive. Did he die? Because it's like, how many people died? Yeah, it's so confusing. Right. It might be from this same news source. There's a detailed breakdown on the timeline. And they also have like a uh, like a flow chart of all these key people, I believe, including the husbands. It's really helpful because this whole thing is just so confusing. And that's why I wanted to separate this whole statement. I mean, obviously, the statement itself is lengthy, but I wanted to separate it because it's its own thing on top of the facts we have from the case coming out because it's just it's crazy. Right. And it also gives like a perspective of someone who is really close to this family because he's married to the niece of Lori and Chad. And she was close with Lori. Mm -hmm. It's really to me like when I'm looking at it, it's hard because he only knows what he knows and what he's being told. And from what it sounds like, like props to this ex-wife who was just like, who is this lady? Because being real, it's like this is the soapbox within a soapbox within a soapbox. But it's like co-parenting is super important. Mm-hmm. I have nieces and nephew who my older brother doesn't co-parent well with, but his exes co-parent with each other, mm-hmm. which is fantastic because then they have a different support system. And I've seen 
cases of co-parenting that is just fantastic where like even if you're not together, you have to be there for you have to be there. Mm -hmm. He's looking at this from a perspective like I get Natalie had every right to be like, who is this woman that you'd be putting our kids around? Um, What's her story? And the fact that it's a little shady, like, I don't know, like you're a mom. And if like someone your kids were going to spend a lot of time with were to suddenly just be like, like, oh, no, you can't know my full name. You'd be like, that's that's very sus. Yeah, that's sketchy as hell. I mean, unless it's like Cher or Madonna. <laughs> right. Right. And you're like, it's cool. Your references are online. I got you. <laughs> good for her. And good for Ian. Like, I get that he put himself in a weird position. But he did the right thing by going to the police by saying, like, I don't know what my kids are getting involved in and I want to protect my kids because this whole situation is about two children. Like, if you take away all of the bullshit murders and I say bullshit because it's just like a lot of like get rid of my spouse so I can be with this person. Like I have said numerous times on this podcast, divorce is better than murder. (laughs) You know, I get it. People fall out of love. I mean, I don't actually understand divorce because it's such like a weird thing. I don't know. I always feel like people can work their issues as much as they can try. I'm on that Dr. Phil thing where he says you have to earn a divorce. Plug my man, Dr. Phil, which, by the (laughs) way, this story has been on Dr. Phil already. Like that man is own shit. Yeah. If you want to want more media on it, there you go. Yeah. And it's with the grandparents and the older brother. Yeah. Which is great because this guy, I don't know how old he is. He looks like he's in his 20s. Yeah, he's, I can't remember either, but he is in his 20s for sure. Because she's only like 47, so. Yeah, she's like, he's like, I'll take him. Mm-hmm. She don't want him, I'll take him. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line, you take all of the murders away and you look, at, it's about two kids that are missing. And it's been months. Right. It's so sad because statistically they're not alive. But I'd want to hold out hope. Like, I'm hoping that these people have some sort of, like, commune in some sort of, like, mountainous region where people don't know and these kids are living there trying to become unzombified. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking all around. It definitely is. And I know we were obviously having fun at all this cult stuff and everything. But, yeah, that's the bottom line is... Cults are serious. Cults are serious and cults are scary. And this one with just this one person has resulted in this much death already. And it's just it's terrifying, you know? Right. I just I don't know. I have that hope, too, that they're out in the mountains somewhere. But um, I guess hopefully we will get an answer eventually when the world does not end in July or whatever, like she thinks it's going to. Maybe that's why she's so chill. I don't know. Right. I definitely think she thinks that there isn't going to be consequences for her. And I mean, right now, like with everything that's going on in the world, it has to be like there was an earthquake in Idaho. So she's probably over there like telling you. You mean Utah? Was it Utah? Oh, I thought it was Idaho. Well, they felt it in Idaho. It may have been in Utah. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, she's probably like, I told you. Right. And when you have these like end of the world type cults, People, they do think they do crazy things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that tucking your kids in on the Titanic moment. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't even it's like you don't even know what to say because these two beautiful little dumplings have just been like plucked from society and we have no clue what's going on. And I just think of like the world recently and how crazy shit has been like all of a sudden like a toddler goes missing and then two days later her body is found. And mm-hmm. people just need to get their shit together first and foremost. Like, we need to remember that like human life, 
even if you don't value it, it's valuable to someone. Exactly. We need to do a much better job of assessing criminals psychologically before releasing them back out into the public. Yeah, most definitely. And what is going on? Like, my only question is, like, what is happening with Chad right now? I think it's just he's just like a sitting duck kind of thing. And I think it's just kind of like they're just waiting for maybe the right charges. Because I know now with, with that update, with the attorney general taking over his Tammy's death and then the potential of the attempted murder, conspiracy to murder and murder. An accessory. An accessory. A shit ton of accessory. I'm sure they're just waiting for the the right charge so they can actually, you know, obtain him. I'm sure that's just what it is. Right. I think what will tell the time is when shit's about to go down with Lori, I wonder if Chad will just like bounce. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Well, I read through that when I was going through my research for the update episode and... It was so much stuff I told Jessica before we recorded that, that it needed to be its own episode. So here we are for this bonus episode. I'm glad we did it. Good. Me too. We hope you guys liked receiving this perspective on it is the best way I can put that, I guess. We're going to go ahead and sign off and we will catch you in the next episode. Be safe. Don't join cults. Bye. Bye. Bye.